Hello and welcome to Habemus Papam, episode 166, Anastasius IV. Dear brothers and sisters, Annuncio Vobis. Annuncio Vobis. Annuncio Vobis Gaudium Magnum. Gaudium Magnum. Gaudium Magnum. Habemus Papam. Okay, everyone, so we left off last week. The Roman commune and its spiritual leader, Arnold of Brescia, are still holding the reins of power in Rome. And at the same time, there is a new leader in Germany, Friedrich Barbarossa, who, to be honest, we're not sure if we like him yet. Before Friedrich could come to Rome, Eugene III died. His successor was an old and respected Cardinal Corrado, or if we translate it into English, Conrad, of Suburba. Now, we've got little firm information about his youth and early life in the church. We have records of him being a cardinal priest since around 1121. He assisted Honorius II, who may or may not have been his uncle with a different appointment, and he was rewarded by being ordained the cardinal bishop of Sabina in December of 1127. Now, the next big event we hear about is participation in the election of Pope Innocent II, of whom he was a vehement defender against the anti-pope Anacletus II. And he was so trusted by both Innocent and his successors, Celestine II and Eugene III, that frequently when they were traveling, Conrad was left as the vicar of the city of Rome. Now, this was no easy task, as we remember from the past couple episodes. Oftentimes, the reason the pope left was because he was driven away by an anti-pope or by the Roman commune. And so Conrad was the unfortunate cardinal who was left behind to try his best to bring governance to a city that really didn't want it. So during the uncertain times following the death of Eugene III, the cardinals turned to Conrad of Sabura. On July 12, 1153, he was elected pope unanimously by the College of Cardinals, and he took the name Anastasius IV. Anastasius' main task upon election was mediating a dispute in Germany caused by the new king, who we're not sure we like, Friedrich Barbarossa. Friedrich had appointed a new bishop in Magdeburg, the major see in Germany, moving one of his favorites to the position. Eugene III, before his death, had opposed the move, but it was still an ongoing dispute, so Anastasius sent a cardinal to figure out the situation. He concluded nothing and was unable to move the needle at all, and as he was returning home, he died on the way. So the first real news that Anastasius got about the situation was in an embassy from Barbarossa himself. Anastasius, perhaps thinking that a fight with the king wouldn't be the best move right now, especially when he's the newly elected pope and he's newly king, gave in to what Barbarossa wanted, and he confirmed a new bishop in Magdeburg. Now, this did not make Anastasius popular with a certain saint and mystic in Germany, St. Hildegard of Bingen. We've got a letter from her to the Pope, utterly chastising him for being weak and for giving in too much to the secular ruler. And I'll quote just a little. O man whose eyesight has become so weak that he cannot see the worst sort of malignancy perpetuated by men. Why do you not recall back to these to you these lost souls who can only by you be rescued from doing grave evil? And why do you not cut away the root of evil that suffocates all plants that grow good and useful and have a sweet odor and taste about them? You neglect justice, the daughter of a king, supreme in all superior things, and who was entrusted to you. For you allow this kingly daughter to be thrown down to the ground, her crown and robe dashed by the crudest sort of men who bark like dogs and who make inept sounds like crowing of roosters in the middle of the night. They are all impostors, who on the surface appear to be peaceful, but in their hearts they grind their teeth like a dog that wags his tail at the sight of his friends, then bites them, the warriors who fight for the Lord's house. 
Now we hear about another similar story in a dispute over the Archdiocese of York in England, where Anastasius discontinued a more hardline approach against the secular ruler that Eugene III had taken. It seems that he sought to be a more conciliatory pope than his predecessor, which at times caused some scandal amongst the more strident reformers. With that, however, we really come to the end of Anastasius' story. He died on December 3, 1154. He was buried in a rather special tomb at the Lateran Basilica. It was the porphyry sarcophagus that had been used to house the body of the Empress St. Helena. Apparently, at some point, she had been taken out of the sarcophagus and placed in a church altar, so Anastasius decided that if the sarcophagus is empty, he might use it for himself. Now, regardless, he was buried in the sarcophagus originally at the Lateran, but you can now see it in the Vatican Museums. Anastasius IV was succeeded by the first and only English pope, Pope Hadrian IV, but we'll wait to talk about his really interesting life next week. Thanks for listening to Habemus Papam. You can check out the rest of the Catholic Bites podcast at catholicbitespodcast.com or find us on iTunes. Thank you and God bless you.